If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Arab Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you again to talk about the Parsha, to talk about what in actual fact Torah is telling us. Torah, after all, is Torah Chaim, the Torah of life. Not only because it talks about life, but because it gives life, it understands life. It comes from Hashem, it's the blueprint of life. And because it's the blueprint of life, it knows what in fact is best for us. It understands our mission here below, what in fact we have to do in this world, why God placed us in this world, what this world is all about. Torah is that medium which connects world with God, with the ultimate purpose of our being here. And this is why every single week we have a Parsha, a Parsha that talks to us, a Parsha that teaches us, a Parsha that opens up our eyes, our hearts, our minds, our souls to what an actual fact is taking place. The world can be and often is a terribly confusing place. And when we have clarity, which comes from Torah, Torah Chaim, the Torah of life, it makes the journey, this incredible journey of life, so much more exciting, so much more meaningful, so much more purposeful. It's a special Shabbos. It's the Shabbos Project. A wonderful, wonderful brainchild of our dear Chief Rabbi. So first of all, a huge, huge yeshikach to Chief Rabbi Warren Goldstein. Years ago, he started this incredible project, the Shabbos Project, and it took off. Not only here in South Africa, but throughout the entire world. Throughout the entire world, Jews are preparing this Shabbos for the Shabbos Project each and every single year. People wait an entire year for the Shabbos. It's an incredible moment in so many Jewish communities because it talks to the very essence of the Jew. It enables them to perform this incredible mitzvah of observing Shabbos with such joy, with such fullness, with such incredible purpose. Shabbos, after all, is the seventh day, the seventh day of creation when God himself rested. God himself came to the conclusion that he created this wonderful world. And one day of the week, God himself rested. What does it mean that God himself rested? God has to rest. God said that creation on that day will come from a far higher and far deeper level. And this is why we as mere mortals here below, six days of the week we work. We invest our time, our effort in the physical activity that enables us to live. On Shabbos, on Shabbos, our energy, our strength, our purpose, our time should be dedicated to a higher purpose. And this is why Shabbos is a day of menucha, a day of deep rest. Not because we sit back and kick up our feet. Yes, that too is part of the rest of Shabbos. But Shabbos is a day that we're able to harvest tremendous spiritual energy that exists on the day. It's a day of family. It's a day of community. It's a day of relating to Hashem in an altogether different type of way. It's a day that we are able to receive tremendous levels of spiritual strength. And that's what we need in the world today. As mentioned before, look at the world today. The world is a confusing place. Conflict, discord, 
all sorts of tremendous challenges as communities, as nations, as individuals, as never before. Yes, of course, the world has gone through tremendous difficulties in the past. But as time goes on, these challenges, these difficulties become far more intensified and far more confusing. Less and less do we have clarity in life, and this is why we need something like Shabbos. Take technology. Technology has taken over our lives. Look at the world. Look at ourselves, each and every one of us. Whatever we do, walking down the street, sitting, our faces are always in our telephones, our mobile telephones, or whatever other technological gadgets that we have that have taken over our lives and certainly the lives of our children and grandchildren they are mesmerized by it it's an extension of their entire being come shabbos we distance ourselves from it shabbos is a day that we pick up a sitter a chumash shabbos is a day that we turn page shabbos is a day that we do something that we have forgotten read study learn communicate and this is what the Shabbos project is all about. The Shabbos project is a Shabbos that we remember what Shabbos is all about. Because of the extreme urgency in the world that we live, we have sometimes, well, slipped away from the beauty of Shabbos. Shabbos project is a time that we come back to all of that. We walk to shul, we sit together at a Shabbos table. When we came to South Africa over 50 years ago, I was incredibly impressed with South African Jews because Friday night was Shabbos and you sat with family. And that was something which was special, something that was incredibly important. Shabbos was Shabbos. And that too is slipping away. Shabbos is no longer necessarily Shabbos. Shabbos with family is no longer the important thing that Friday night should be. And the Shabbos project reminds us, yes, there is something called Shabbos, Friday night, sit with your family. This is what you do. There is no other activity. And this year, the chief rabbi has introduced a tremendously new dimension to the Shabbos project. It's the 25 hours. And what is the 25 hours? The 25 hours is, he says, from this year on, Let's take every single Shabbos, and if we can't observe a full Shabbos, of actually observing an entire Shabbos of 25 hours, because it may be difficult, it may be a bit overwhelming, let's start with a couple of hours. For some people, a couple of hours on Friday night. For some people, the entire Friday night. For some people, the entire Friday night, and perhaps a bit on a Shabbos morning. And as the Shabboses continue and progress, and the weeks and the months progress, we try to add a few more minutes, a few more hours, step by step. And that is a wonderful, wonderful idea. Because as human beings, we know progress is not instant. It's not overwhelming. It's not all or nothing. This year, the Shabbos Project not only gives us the opportunity of observing a wonderful Shabbos together as a family, as a community, it also is a new beginning of starting the 25 hours. And I encourage you, I urge you to use it. 
to talk to your family. Tonight, as you sit around the Shabbos table, talk about this wonderful challenge. Talk about this opportunity. Talk and think about, yes, let's dedicate ourselves to a couple of hours on Shabbos. Can't do it all? Do a couple of hours. And in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, perhaps add an hour or two. This year, the Shabbos project takes a quantum leap from being one Shabbos a year to becoming more and more, more of this soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. The Pasha this week is Vayera. Vayera means he appeared, who appeared? And God appeared to Abraham. And why did God appear to Abraham? It was the third day after Abraham had circumcised himself. And God, God had come too well to visit the sick. It's a great act of kindness, one of the great acts of kindness that we're obligated to emulate, to visit the sick. And God came to visit the sick. And Vayera, Vayera, the fuss is made, the entire parsha is called Vayera, and God appeared. And the commentaries ask a very obvious question. Vayera, God appeared. God appeared previously to uh, Abraham. In fact, last week, last week, the parsha of Lech Lecha, when God comes to Abraham and says, leave your land, leave your birthplace, leave your father's home, go to a distant and strange land that I will show you. Begin the great and wonderful journey that will change the world, that will change your family, the great journey of the Jewish people that will come, culminate with the coming of Mashiach. Last week's parsha begins with God appearing to Abraham and beginning the journey that results in the great story, in the epic saga of the Jewish people. So why make the fuss this week of Vayera and God appeared to Abraham? It wasn't the first time. And yet it would seem that this time was altogether different. The fact that God appeared to Abraham this time was extraordinary. It wasn't that he simply appeared. It was that he appeared in an altogether different type of way. And we have to ask ourselves, what changed? What was it that this time when God appeared to Abraham, it was in a different set of circumstances altogether? And the answer, of course, is because this is after Abraham had circumcised himself. Now you would say to yourself, so what? What's so special about circumcision that when God appeared to him after circumcision, it was a different type of God appearing to Abraham? And this is an important question because the whole idea of circumcision is called a brit, a bris. And as you well know, I'm sure you've heard so many times, perhaps at a bris, perhaps at a shear, the word bris does not mean circumcision. Circumcision is basically a surgery. The word bris means covenant. The word bris means a connection, a bond between Hashem and the Jew. This means this incredible, infinite, and powerful 
bond between the Jew and God. What happens at a bris? What happens at a bris is not only that a piece of skin is taken. What happens at a bris is that an infinite bond between God and Jew takes place, something which is far higher than any type of understanding, any type of rational explanation. It's something which is beyond any type of intellectual understanding or explanation. It's something which is quite literally infinite. Yes, of course, we have an ashama. We have a soul. And that soul, as our sages tell us, is a chelik aleikam imal mamish. It's part and parcel of God. It's connected to God. But that connection is often hidden. It's within us, but we're not aware of it. The bond that is created at the bris, this is something that we become aware of, even though it's something which is infinite. Now let's take a look at the life of Abraham, Avram Avinu, Abraham our father. Avram had dedicated his life to everything that Hashem stood for. He challenged the thinking of his day selflessly. He stood up to the authorities, to his own family, to his own father. Everyone around him was an idol worshiper. And he proclaimed the oneness of God. Everyone spoke about, well, the world is here because the world is here. He proclaimed creation. God himself brought this world into being. Others said, yes, of course, once upon a time, God created the world, we accept it. But he left the world to continue on its own. And he said, no, God looks after each and every single detail constantly. God looks after each and every single action of every single human being constantly. And this is why our behavior, the way we act, what we do is important and we are accountable we have to act in a way which is consistent with God's will. Not only is creation constant, but what we do within this world, and this is the message that he dedicated himself to. And it was absolutely selfless. And he and his wife, Sarah, went throughout the entire civilized world, not only preaching this message, but through acts of goodness and kindness and tremendous humility and spiritual sensitivity and example taught this to hundreds and thousands of others. And despite the challenges, despite the difficulties, despite the challenges within his own family and outside his family, he was dedicated to the will of Hashem because his faith to God was absolute. And therefore, we have to ask ourselves, if his faith to God was absolute, what possible addition came about as a result of the fact that he circumcised himself at the age of 99? He recognized God at the age of 3 or 13, but certainly, for close to a 100 years, his whole life's purpose was dedicated 
to God. And he taught that to all the people of the world, despite the difficulty, despite the challenges. So what possibly could have been added when he circumcised himself at the age of 99? And our sages tell us something which is incredibly insightful and important. And that is that up to that time, Whatever he did, and it was great, it was glorious, it was powerful, it was immense, it was overwhelming, it was extraordinary. But it was based upon his insight, his understanding of what God was, is, and what God wants. An incredibly powerful understanding from the mind of a man like Abraham, from the heart of a man like Abraham. And this is what he taught through word and example. But it was based upon what he felt and what he understood. At the age of 99, he was waiting for Hashem to give him a commandment so that his faith would reach a different level and a higher level altogether. A faith that was beyond reason. A faith that was beyond understanding. A faith that was not based upon what he felt or what he understood, but a faith that was based upon the simple relationship between himself and Hashem, something that went far beyond any type of intellectual reasoning, an infinite relationship. And this is why it's important to note, where does the bris actually manifest? In the mind? In the heart? In the soul? No, in the body. Isn't that amazing? A relationship with God, an infinite relationship with God, one would think it should be in the soul, and to a certain degree it is. It should be in the heart, and to a certain degree it is. It should be in the mind, and to a certain degree it is. And perhaps to a great degree it's in the soul, in the heart, and in the mind. But the ultimate, infinite, bond between Hashem and the Jew is in the body. Because it's with the highest and the lowest that the infinite relationship takes place because it's precisely within the physical world that a person is able to demonstrate the incredible, the incredible, limitless greatness of God. If something is limited to the mind, it might be great, but it's limited to the mind. If something is in the heart, it might be amazing in terms of feeling, in terms of emotion, but it's limited to that. In the soul, true, but it's limited to that. But within the physical realm, it knows no bonds. A person can say, but it's physical. There is no restriction to God's greatness. And when you reveal the greatness and presence of God within the physical world, that's the greatest revelation of God. Yes, people say, but I understand, I feel spiritual. Those are great things and those are wonderful things and those have their moments of importance and they have their moments of necessity. But when you show godliness in the physical world, there is no greater revelation of godliness than that. And this is why at the age of 99, when Abraham 
circumcises himself, that's the ultimate bond. And therefore, his faith was raised to an extremely new and higher level, something that didn't exist before. This is something that we have to understand. We have to demonstrate the presence of godliness in every single area of life. Not only when we're in shul, not only when we are involved in, well, intellectual or emotional or spiritual activity, but in physical activity as well. When a child makes a blessing on food, when a person is asked, how are you? And you answer, Baruch Hashem, you thank God. When you demonstrate in the physical world, in the physical activity, the presence of God, when God breaks through that which normally hides the presence of God, that's the greatest revelation, and that's the greatest demonstration of faith. And this is why at the age of 99, the body of Avraham began to demonstrate and reveal and reflect the greatness of God. And this is why Vayera, when Hashem appears to him now, it's an altogether different type of appearance. Up to the point before it was great, it was overwhelming. Hashem gives him instructions. Hashem gives him guidance. Hashem tells him what to do. Hashem says, leave your country, leave your birthplace, leave your father's home, go to a great and new life. Great revelations. But this revelation when Avraham broke through the darkness of the physical world, that which normally distorts the presence of God, Hashem said, now when I appear to you, it's altogether different. It's at a far higher level. Vayera. This is what this parsha is all about. This is why every single detail, as we'll soon talk about, every single detail of this parsha is a story of far greater revelation the presence of God in the physical world. More of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska only on 101.9 High FM. Vayera, God appears to Abraham at his new level of spirituality following his, well, higher level of covenant that appeared in his body. And all sorts of Powerful stories take place in the Parsha. The birth of Isaac, the Akedah, the almost, well, offering, sacrifice. But there's one story I want to tell you about this Parsha, where we see what in fact elevated the level of Abraham in his relationship to God. And that is, one of the episodes in the Parsha is when God finally reaches a point where he can no longer tolerate the behavior of the people of Sodom. They are, well, individuals who are, well, so coarse and greedy and selfish. And he decides that place has to be destroyed. But he says, Hamechasa, am I going to hide what I'm going to do from Abraham? After all, Abraham is Av Hamongayim. He's not only the father of the Jewish people, but in actual fact, he's the leader of the entire world. And therefore, I have to confer with him. 
I have to share with him what I'm going to do. And that in itself is an incredible discussion. Why does God have to confer with anyone? God is ultimately, well, the just judge of the world, the fair judge of the world. But no, God creates a world. And in this world, he has created certain balances. One of them is that, yes, there are individuals that he considers so important that he wants to confer with them before he does these drastic actions. So he comes to Avraham and he tells Avraham that he is going to destroy Sodom and the surrounding cities. Now, Avraham is a man of incredible faith. And Avraham knows that God is the ultimate fair judge, the judge of justice. And as a man of incredible faith, one would think that Avraham would turn to God and say, whatever you have decided, so should it be. Because after all, you are the ultimate judge. But no. What happens with Avraham? Avraham turns around and he begins to, well, argue with God. He says to God, it's not right that you will destroy the innocent with the guilty, the righteous with the sinner. If there are 50 righteous people in Saddam, will you spare the city? And God says, yes. And from 50 to 40 to 35 to 30, etc., all the way down to 10. But what does that story tell us? The story tells us that it's not a denial of faith when you argue with Hashem to spare the lives of even those who behaved badly. It acknowledges a deeper and greater faith. What was the sin of Zdom? What was the sin of the people who lived in Zdom? They lacked in one basic area of life. And that was in the area of charity, of goodness and kindness. They weren't hospitable. They weren't kind. They didn't share. And they turned wayfarer strangers away. Goodness and kindness was not part of their reality. Who was Abraham? Well, the famous tent of Abraham. Abraham was one who taught the world what chesed, what kindness was all about. And therefore, at this moment, Avraham has a tremendous duty because of his faith and because of his new level of faith, where he has the strength and the courage and the faith and the humility to turn to God and say, you cannot do this. If there are 50 people or 40 people or 30 people or, or even 10, you have to spare the cities. You cannot destroy them. And this is what true faith is all about. Yes, there are times when we have to say tzidduk adin, where we say, well, what Hashem does is right. But there are times that we have to stand up and we have to, well, challenge Hashem. We have to argue with God. But it has to come from a point of humility, from a point of faith, from a point where we are motivated by a deep sense of chesed, of kindness, of goodness and kindness. When we look at the world today and we see 
all sorts of terrible things. There are those who say, well, wipe them out. No. We have to say, change it. We say, we speak about remove sin, but not the sinner. Bring about a transformation where goodness and kindness will overwhelm the world. And the only way we can do it is by calling out this deeper and greater level of faith that we possess and continue to do greater acts of kindness, of goodness and kindness, whatever it is, and however, however it's expressed. It's not easy all the time. It's not something which comes naturally to us all the time. But that's what's important. Continued and growing acts of goodness and kindness. That's what's going to bring Mashiach. That's what's going to change the world. It's not going to come through power. It's not going to come through wealth. It's not going to come through anything other than what Avraham represents. And this is why he challenges God. He argues with God. Because his new level of faith tells him, you must do whatever you can to bring about positive change in the world through goodness. And this is why Hashem says, I'm not going to hide anything from him because this is what Hashem expects from Avraham Avinu, a heightened level of goodness and kindness. Remember what I said at the beginning of the show. This year the Shabbos project takes on a new level, a level of taking on continued Shabbos observance. A couple of hours, maybe one hour, maybe two hours, and as the year progresses, add more and more. A wonderful opportunity. When you're in shul tomorrow, read this parsha. From the beginning, the angels who visit Avraham, the birth of Isaac, the great story of the destruction of Sodom, how Avraham argues with God, the binding of Isaac. It's a fascinating parsha. But listen to the words that talk to you. You'll find it in the parsha. As you read it, as you learn it, as you should. Good job.